Welcome. I'm Mandy, a former history teacher. And I'm Evita, a former mechanical engineer. We're both married with four kids, two two boys, boys, two two girls. girls. We're two young professionals turned stay-at-home moms, navigating all facets of homemaking one step at a time to help you become the mother and wife you are called to be. So welcome. Today's episode is going to be focused on when you just feel stuck. So you can do all these systems, do all these baby steps, but there are certain phases of life that can be extra rough. Um, Recently, I personally had one of these where my health has been bad and it's been really difficult to push through and, and stick to those systems, stick to our two by 10, all of those things. But it's in these times that This is where failure and discouragement really are present. And even the best systems in the world of doing your laundry, of staying on top of your dinners and meals, they don't seem enough to like really bring you out of it. They don't seem like you can keep up with them. And so that's what we're going to focus on today is what do you do when you're in that phase and you just feel like nothing is working and you're stuck in a rut. So we've kind of condensed this down to three things. that really will pull you out of this. And that is prayer, perseverance, and joy. So the first one, prayer. We had previously quoted St. Teresa of Avila in one of our episodes about how she said everything must begin in prayer, that to do anything else is completely fruitless. Mm -hmm. So we really can't hope to achieve anything without it. And so when I was in this rut, I really asked myself, I'm like, gosh, my prayer life is in shambles. Am I really prioritizing prayer? Is it the first thing I think to do when I'm in a bad situation? Like, gosh, I didn't do my laundry again today. What's going on with me? No, I wasn't turning to prayer in that moment. Um, It would get lost in the everyday tasks I needed to do. And so really I was turning to everything else but prayer. I was like, gosh, maybe if I make a detailed calendar, (laughs) That'll help. You know, I was just reaching for all these things, but that's wrong. You need to pray first. So to kind of put this into perspective, I have some quotes from saints on the power of prayer. First, we have St. John Vianney, also known as the Cure to Ars. He said, he who does not pray deprives himself of what is indispensable for life. So pretty important. (laughs) Um, Maximilian Kolbe said, prayer is still a little known means. However, it is the most effective way to reestablish peace in our souls because it allows us to get ever closer to God's love. And then St. Faustina said, every single grace comes to the soul through prayer. So basically any help you get is only going to come through prayer. And then St. Gianna, I wanted to end with, said, pray, pray well, and pray a lot. And I wanted to end with St. Gianna because she was actually a mother. Um, and I think sometimes as mothers, we we kind of look at, you know, monks and nuns and we're like, well, they're in the adoration chapel for three hours a day and they have morning and noon prayer and evening prayer and they wake up in the middle of the night and do matins and all these things. And so it can seem really difficult to merge our vocation with that kind of prayer life. Mm-hmm. And so I looked into St. Gianna a little bit to see kind of how her approach was because, you know, she says pray a lot. Well, what does that look like? Well, apparently growing up, Her family life looked like this. Her family went to mass every day. They prayed the rosary together every day. And every single day they consecrated themselves to the sacred heart of Jesus. And because she had such good formation at home, she was actually allowed to receive her first Holy Communion when she was only five years old. 
And from that day onward, she was a daily communicant. So she was going to mass every single day, no matter what. So yeah, just like the maturity to like, she totally understood the importance of of the Eucharist at that age um, because of her family life. And the Eucharist was really central to Gianna's life and ed- and also education was too. But just to think of like, even a five-year-old understood what the most important thing in their family was. And that was like going to mass every day. Like, and I'm like, there's my kids are not getting that from me right now. I had to be honest with myself. I was like, I am not sending that message. They probably think the most important is that we like clean our kitchen. Right. You know, by just my actions and what I'm doing. So that's, I think, really important is that we strive for this type of prayer. I mean, that seems like a tall order. I know I get scared of like, gosh, I can't go to mass every day. When I go to mass, my kids are nutso and it's me by myself. And like, Mm -hmm. I never hear the gospel. I never hear the homily. But if we really believe the Eucharist provides that much grace, does that matter? I mean, like, obviously we should strive to like hear the gospel and things like that. But if we're really there because we know how important it is, then that that the trouble's kind of worth it. Right. And I don't know if I've said this before, but that makes me think about Father Mike one time said like, when you feel like you're not getting anything out of mass, that's actually one of the most important times because then it's purely you demonstrating your love for God. Like mm-hmm. you're not there to gain anything. Right. You're basically showing up and saying, God, yeah. I love you. I might not be hearing your word from you know the pulpit, but yeah. I'm here because these are my intentions and I wanted to prioritize. And that's where the, our faith is not always emotional. Like we yeah. can have these dry spells where it doesn't feel good right. to go, but that doesn't mean we stop going or don't make the effort. So yes. I'm not saying by tomorrow you should be going to daily mass, saying a daily rosary. Like obviously <laughs> we need to work our way up to that. This mm-hmm. this is called baby steps, mm-hmm. homemakers, right? So, but that should be our end goal. I think that's what we want to strive for is at some point. And you know, I have to say my mom was always very good at taking us to daily mass when we were younger. Mm-hmm. And I rem- I have like very distinct memories of being woken up in the morning, getting breakfast, and then she'd pile us all in the car and yeah. she'd go to mass. And like my little brother would be in his pajamas. Like he was like a one-year-old baby. And like, but I just yes. remember like it didn't matter. Yes. I'm sure like my mom had the most embarrassing moments of her life during those times. Like I think one time my brother rolled a marble and because the church was slanted, it went all the way down <laughs> during like the consecration. So there were no noises and that's all you could hear. And it's like, but she would keep going and like Thinking about that now as an adult and like just like I could really see that's what my mom valued. Like that was yes. very clear to and, me. And it's funny that you mentioned, you know, sometimes your brother or you going in pajamas because I I always think like, gosh, my kids need to look their best. Yes. I can definitely cannot roll out in pajamas. But what's endearing is the other day I saw a woman with her daughter and her daughter was in like those little sleepy, the jammies, the onesies, you know? Yeah. And I thought that was so cute because to me that tells me it doesn't matter what they look like. And I'm not saying, you know, go to mass. However, yeah, I just think we place so much pressure on ourselves where you wouldn't go. Perfect, yeah. So much so that you wouldn't go. Right. And and again, it's more in your head because again, mm-hmm. you see other people doing it and you're like, yeah. oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. You know, or you compare yourself to that family in front of you that's got nine kids and they're all silent and oh sitting. And I'm like, yes. gosh, what am I doing wrong? Yes. But you can't do that. I mean, yeah, my kids might be hanging over the pews. Mm-hmm. You know, one of them mm-hmm. might run up to the altar one day and <laughs> it's like, that's, 
what I'm offering to the Lord though. I'm here with my kids. I'm at the foot of the cross and I'm here to show them this is where we need to go. And that's something I've personally had to get over because yeah, you can come up with every excuse. Well, I'm going to be five minutes late, so I don't want to go now. Or like, I'm going to be showing up with my kid in pajamas, so I don't want to go now. Definitely. And I, one time my spiritual director told me it was funny. He was like, you know, sometimes we have the excuse, like, I'm not going to go to adoration right now because I'm tired. So I'll probably fall asleep and not pray anyway. He's like, I've slept in the adoration chapel. (laughs) He's like, where is there a better place to sleep than in the presence of the Lord? It's just sometimes you're just called to show up. Yes. And then I did also hear somewhere like you want them to feel like that's their home. I mean, not that Mm -hmm. you're going to have them running around crazy, but if they're quietly exploring and walking around, I think that's okay. I mean, it's it's definitely a season in life. They're Mm -hmm. not going to be six, seven year olds walking around, you know, the church. But if they're, you know, two, three and they need a little break, you want them to feel like this is their home. Yeah, there's a formality, but an also comfort yes. like that to yes, the that church. balance for mm-hmm. sure. So that should be, I mean, this is my goal. I And I, I got to say, every time I've given up my daily rosary, I feel it. Um, and I don't always notice it right away. I think sometimes the devil kind of numbs us to like what's really going wrong in our lives. Mm-hmm. But like I realized how many times do I pick up my phone And like scroll on Facebook Marketplace for things I probably don't need, but then will think I really do. Yeah. But I could have used that 15 minutes to like pray a rosary, like while my kids are playing. Right. And does it matter that I don't have like complete focus on that rosary and complete Mm -hmm. silence and meditation? No, Mm -hmm. I'm showing up and I'm doing it. Yeah. I'm saying the prayer. And you know, yes, we should aim for like a very reverent rosary, but that doesn't mean I feel like our our alternative is always to just give it up. Like Mm -hmm. if you can't have it perfect, don't do it. It's not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also you were saying that, you know, you might not finish the entire rosary or it be super meditative, but there's a quote that says, we should not seek so much to pray, but to become prayer. And that's from St. Francis of Assisi. And I think that is a really powerful thing to think on Mm -hmm. because if our life becomes a prayer and not just words in a certain time of the day, it just shifts the whole the whole thing. Like your whole right. life is like, okay, I'm washing dishes. I'm praying while doing that. But I'm if I'm helping my children figure out a puzzle, I want that to be a prayer. I want mm-hmm. them to see, you know, God's glory in me right? because I'm patient and loving. And yeah. just, you know, that's – And I feel like when we make the effort to do that formal prayer, mm-hmm. saying like the rosary, then that other prayer like comes through like yeah. in our actions. And exactly. that's why I think sometimes we're like, gosh, I'm yelling at my kids a lot and I'm – not like being present with them. And we can Mm -hmm. think of like very practical things Mm -hmm. to do that. And we forget that while our soul is what's, you know, coming through in those moments. And like, are we taking care of that? Are we cultivating that so that we're growing our patience and Mm -hmm. prayer and things Mm -hmm. like that? And I know we've mentioned this before that sometimes when we have other priorities that are not our children, that we get agitated. And recently I went back home to San Diego for a couple weeks, but on my way there, um, it was two days after Lent started that we, that we headed over there and I lost my (laughs) phone. So you knew it was going to be rough. (laughs) I knew it was going to be rough. I lost my phone. So for the entire time that I was back home, I did not have a phone with me at all. And gosh, it really, I mean, I actually didn't miss it as Mm -hmm. much as I thought I would. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did end up texting Mandy halfway. I'm like, <laughs> I don't have my phone. I miss you. 
Text my mom. Text my mom. (laughs) But you know what I mean? It's just you sometimes think like, gosh, this is so important, whatever this may be. Your phone, your, I don't know, fill in the blank. But in reality, if it's taken away, Mm -hmm. you're just, it's it's almost like you're more at ease. You have permission to just kind of relax. And you don't realize the control it does have over you until it's gone. And so that's why it's like, I, I realized, you know, I didn't think I was on my phone that much. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, gosh, it's always hard to fit a rosary in. And I was like, wait a second. My phone told me like I spend a daily four hours on yes, my phone. The screen report. Four hours. Yeah. Honestly, the screen report is like a gift from God oh with your my phone. Gosh. Because it really puts it into perspective. I like, like don't even want to look. Yeah. That thing pops up. I'm like, ah, just swipe Or when it, it warns you like your screen time was up 150% this week. I'm like, oh my gosh. Yes, so true. (laughs) So something physical that I know I like to do, um, which right now it's a little bit difficult because it's a little chilly outside, but I feel like going outside during the day, like in the morning, starting Mm -hmm. off my day with prayer and a cup of coffee is easier in the spring, summer and fall than it is in the winter to go outside. But I do like to have my kids just play in the yard. I'm drinking my coffee. I take out my journal and I just... I'm just observing my children and it's a really beautiful, quiet moment that I feel like when I'm feeling stuck in a rut, it kind of just gets me out of that headspace and more into what is going on around me and being present and grateful. So I I would say getting outside definitely would be a physical thing that you can do. Yeah. Anything that helps you be reflective, I feel like is good because like I said, it's almost like daily life numbs us to what our biggest areas of weakness are. Yes. And then the way you criticize yourself is not in the right way. You're mm-hmm. just like, well, why am I failing? Instead of yeah. really digging in and looking into Yeah. And that's up. what I was going to say that I know when I feel stuck in a rut, I get in my head. It starts with self-criticism sounding something like, why am I like this? Or how can other moms do this? Or why can't I keep up? So yeah. between the self-criticism and the comparison game, it's like, I can't win. So mm-hmm. one quote that I got from Pope Paul the Sixth encyclical on the apostolate of the laity, he writes, neither family concerns nor other secular affairs should be irrelevant to their spiritual life. So to me, the way that I interpret that is we need to pray about what is troubling us and being specific about it because mm-hmm. God is not just some person out there that, you know, it wants us to be perfect in our prayer. We need to just open up and let go. And hey, mm-hmm. I'm having trouble in this area. Please fill me with grace or fill me with patience or fill me with whatever you need. So being specific, I think, is and that helps very with important. humility too, because I think you recognize at a point like I have no control over this. Mm-hmm. Like I do not do this well. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just laying it at your feet. Right. Like- <laughs> right. Because we don't have all the answers. If we did, then you know, we wouldn't be human. We wouldn't need God. Yes. So um, another thing that I like to do uh, is keep perspective while while taking this to God in prayer. In that same encyclical, Pope Paul VI writes, Only by the light of faith and by meditation on the word of God can one always and everywhere recognize God, seek his will in every event, seek Christ in everyone, whether he be a relative or stranger, and make correct judgments about the true meaning and value of temporal things both in themselves and in their relation to man's final goal. So to me, again, that means stepping back and asking yourself, how important is this in the grand scheme of life? Like my rut that I'm feeling, that I'm Mm -hmm. sitting on the couch, like if you fast forward five years, are you going to think, gosh, that one week I felt like 
you know, mm-hmm. and so, and it may not be one week, it may be a few months, but yeah, but keeping perspective and knowing that you need to give yourself some grace with also, you know, we're going to get into it, taking action. Right. But I think the first step when you're feeling stuck in a rut is to pray and keep perspective. This mm-hmm. is temporary. And if it's not temporary, then that's, that's something else too. When you are going through a trying stage in life, maybe it's because something happened or something that was said or uh, when you unknowingly compare yourself to other, whatever it is that by acknowledging the source of the feelings, you're able to determine if it's A, temporary or B, needs to be addressed you know, in a different way. And that kind of brings us to the next one, perseverance too, because the fact that you are in a rut or you are experiencing suffering mm-hmm. is not futile. Like it's necessary right. for whatever reason, God wants you to experience that right now. Right. Um, and it's fruitful. And so instead of looking at it as, gosh, I just need to get out of it or exactly. um, this is terrible. Why is this happening to me? We really need to have the attitude, which is so hard, but that's mm-hmm. why we have to pray for the grace. Mm-hmm. And that is embrace your cross. Yeah. Suffering is necessary. Yeah. Um, and I always think of Thomas More, woo, woo, favorite saint. Um, I'm not ashamed of it, but his, you know, one of my favorite quotes of his is like, you're not going to get to heaven in a feather bed. Like, sorry, that's, you know, how did the Lord get to heaven? Uh, he died on the cross and you're the servant. So how could you expect to go with any less suffering? For sure. Like all the apostles, they died horrific deaths. Yeah. With the exception of St. John, but. I know. I mean, I'm always like, can I be St. John? Yeah. <laughs> can I be St. John? He was like the most beloved. And- yeah. <laughs> can I be beloved? <laughs> yes, for sure. I feel the same way. I want to be him. I don't want to be Andrew. <laughs> Maybe next boy will be John. Who knows? <laughs> but uh, anyhow, so persevering is definitely something that that is key when it comes to feeling stuck in a rut. Um, I know that Uh, another thing that I do when I feel like that is if I'm able to get one or two things done, Mm -hmm. it doesn't even have to be big things. But like, if I just get this pile that's in the sink done, then I at least feel some sense of like, okay, there's something. Yes. I got this done. Yes. And not always needing perfection or having it all or nothing, which can be a problem. And, you know, St. Augustine says that if we're too happy or comfortable with life, so like, mm-hmm. oh, we're always nailing it. We're always, you yeah. know, we're great mom and we feel like a great mom yes. all the time. If we're like that, we won't remember that we are on a journey to heaven right? and that we must be dissatisfied with ourselves mm-hmm. so that we'll fight against sin and we'll seek God's grace to make us better. So yes. if, you know, too much criticism is obviously harmful because it can lead to discouragement. But criticism on yourself is like necessary because otherwise you won't ask for, hey, I'm not doing this well. I need help here. And And, and rather than thinking about it too as like criticism, because that has such a negative connotation, it's just evaluation. Right. Where am I failing? Yeah. And And you're not a 10. You're not always a 10. (laughs) We're not perfect. But (laughs) I make the bed every day. (laughs) I'm pretty much nailing it. Yes. And I mean, you'll have those periods where you are. But yeah, I think it's good that if you were always like that, then you would have no need for God. Right. Um, And you would get a big head. Right. And um, one of the quotes I have in here is it's from um, St. Gianna. she has a book. It's called Journey of Our Love, and it's her and her husband's letters to each other. Mm-hmm. And one of the footnotes actually revealed, and I, I did not know this about her. She said to her husband, so just a little background, she was suffering 
from actually malpractice. So she had a tumor and she refused to get it removed until the baby was born because it would kill the baby. And so they removed it after the baby was born, but because they did something wrong, she actually died of an infection. Mm. So she was having a few like really rough days where she was super sick and things. And um, there was one day where she wasn't feeling as bad. And she talked to her husband, Pietro, and this is what she said to him. She said, Pietro, I was on the other side already. And if I could tell you what I saw one day, I will. But since we were too happy with our wonderful children, full of health and grace, with all of heaven's blessings, they sent me back here to suffer more because it's not right to knock at the Lord's door without having suffered greatly. So it's just interesting that she did have a slow death and she revealed to him, it's because I needed to suffer. Like our life was just too good. Like we were so happy and we had right. all these things that right. now God needs this from us. And right. I mean, imagine Pietro suffering, his wife dies, you know, yeah. and his child yeah, dies shortly after. That's just, that really hit me of like, gosh, you know, do we have it too good sometimes that mm. we do need to remember? Yeah. It's also a reminder too, like these crosses that we have, at the moment, thank God, are not like St. Gianna's crosses. Mm -hmm. And what a blessing that is, you know? So mm -hmm. appreciate where you're at. It teaches you humility. Mm -hmm. It also helps you realize that no one has it perfect. Right. And it's relatively easy to make one great sacrifice if we know it'll be the last time anything's asked of us, right? If someone's like, hey, if you just do this one thing, you'll never suffer again. I think all of us would be like, boo, I'm on it. Like, yes, I will do that. Um, but it's a lot more difficult to make tinier, smaller sacrifices day after day without apparent end. And so that's really motherhood to me. It's like those daily sacrifices day after day that sometimes can be really difficult. And so the difficulties in serving God can be really tiresome and discouraging. And it's really tempting to want to give up, especially if we feel that our efforts aren't appreciated or respected, right? Our kids aren't always like, mom, you make the best meals. Mom, you clean up after me. I'm so appreciative. Yeah. That just doesn't happen. And so St. Augustine reminds us that our tasks as Christians is to make daily progress towards God, okay? Mm -hmm. Not to be the best person ever tomorrow, but today, what are you going to do to like progress closer to God? Right. So our pilgrimage on earth is a school and where God's the only teacher, and it demands good students. And you can't be a truant. That's what Augustine says. You can't not show up. So really, we're just called to show up daily and mm -hmm. give it what we got that mm -hmm. day. If you don't have much that day, that's fine. Give it what you have. Yeah. yeah and I think step. that's what we have to remember is that you have to do what God wants you to do that day. Take it day by day, not like thinking, gosh, how many more sacrifices are going to be required of me, sure. but just embracing what you have for the day. So that reminds me, I'm reading this book called No Excuses, The Power of Self-Discipline. It's by uh, Brian Tracy. And in his book, he says something like, the elevator to success is always broken, but the stairs are always working. Mm -hmm. And to me, that just means like, you, we're not, we're never going to achieve what we want instantly like go from floor one to like floor 50 it's like you need to take the stairs you need to put in the work uh step by step and again not expect immediate results but just mm -hmm. keep chugging along yeah um, and that does take discipline not to be discouraged when it's not how you want it to be or right. it didn't go the way you wanted it right and that also gets me on a second an, another thing that i had on him he emphasizes that by habitually exercising self-discipline you are building character 
And it is this change in character that earns you the life you want. Mm-hmm. Your life will only change once you master self-discipline. That um, takes time it and takes effort. Time. It takes time <laughs> and effort. And then he also says, the more you practice self-mastery and self-control, the more you like and value yourself, the greater mm-hmm. is your sense of self-respect and personal pride. And lastly, you see yourself and think about yourself in a more positive way. You feel happier and more powerful as a person. And of course, all of this is through the redemptive power of Christ that we're powerful, right? It's not it's not ourselves alone. But mm-hmm. um, St. Francis de Sales says it best, though perseverance does not come from our power, yet it comes within our power. So we have the ability through Christ to become you know, better people. So again, step-by-step, step, you'll actually feel proud of yourself. And so much of being stuck in a rut has to do with self-esteem. You feel right. all these things. Yeah. You know, that aren't as, that could be true, could be not true, but it's a wave of emotion. So you kind of right. don't know. So, yeah. And figuring out where it is that did you not show up that day? Is that why you're feeling discouraged? Mm-hmm. Because you didn't do what you could that day and you know you gave up? Oh. Or is it there needs to be a change like, oh gosh, I just need to have more peace with prayer. And so mm-hmm. really looking at how you can specifically persevere, like where it is that maybe you're not giving that full effort or you're not understanding in the way that needs to be understood. So the last uh, piece of advice, the third part of this is joy. And um, I want to start off with a quote from Mother Teresa. And it says, the person who gives with a smile is the best giver because God loves a cheerful giver. So surely this can be interpreted as tangible giving, but in this maternal state of life and sometimes financially, all we can give is our time, energy, love, and actions. So keeping in mind to continue and continue cheerfully is key. I know sometimes I wake up and have a begrudging attitude like, here we go again. It's barely Tuesday, but in all honesty, <laughs> it's like I got through Monday, but dang, Tuesday's only the second day. Okay. But in all honesty, going back to keeping perspective, I am so thankful for my life that it only makes sense to approach God during prayer with a thankful heart. So um, as we know them in Catholicism, the four basic forms of prayer are prayer of blessing and adoration, prayer of petition, so asking for what we need, prayer of intercession, so asking for what others need, and lastly, uh, prayer of thanksgiving. And um, the reason I bring this up is because uh, tying back our first point of prayer to joy, I really I really do think that that is an element that is necessary to bring joy. And specifically, what brings me joy is when I pray in the form of adoration or praise. I would say that, that that's the case because it makes you focus on the good, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you're automatically telling yourself like, okay, yes, I could be praying for whatever you feel you need at the time. But if you just combat that with the exact opposite, like I'm just going to start to pray in the form of adoration and thanksgiving. When I say, yeah, for a different perspective, when I say, God, you're good, God, you have done great things for me, things along those lines, because once again, this brings me back and helps me keep perspective that whatever I may be going through, God will see me through it as he always has. And that is so true because I think back to where I was previously in certain parts of my life. And when I felt stuck in a rut or things weren't going the way that I had prayed for them to go, 
ultimately I am kind of thankful they didn't go the way that I prayed for them to go. And it was Mm -hmm. all for my benefit. And God always sees us through these difficult times. So just reminding ourselves, like he is a good God. He is powerful and he, and he's all, he's going to see us through no matter Mm -hmm. what. So to have the trust to be like, whatever comes is good for me. Yeah. And I think sometimes we can make the mistake of um, thinking that holiness has to be like very serious and somber all the time Mm -hmm. where like faith kind of sucks the joy out of life because you're always telling yourself no to things. You're having all these sufferings. Yeah. But it's actually, you know, faith is supposed to deepen and enrich our joy. Um, So I love this, you know, St. Philip Neri, for example, He believed that faith and virtue should be combined with humor and a wholesome enjoyment of life. And so he really enjoyed practical jokes, especially um, when people began taking his reputation for holiness too seriously. So he he heard people like, oh, he's so holy. He's going to be a saint. So he shaved off half his beard and pretended to be drunk just to like get people to like stop focusing on that side of him too much. And his two favorite books were said to have been the New Testament and a book of practical jokes and riddles. So cheerfulness is not just like an attitude or a personality trait. We're like, oh, I'm just a cheerful person. But it's really like our response to God's gift of life. And when we say the word response, that's a choice. So you have to choose to respond that way. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of thinking about this practically, like when my kids make a goofy face, or say something funny, I like, I laugh at it. I smile because I'm acknowledging like what a blessing they are from God that they're just this funny little kid and they're mine. And I don't think, you know, like, are we always doing this? Do we take time to laugh at our kids? You know, the crazy situations we find ourselves in with kids, um, not just after the fact, but also in the moment. So for example, we were in Florida one time and my kids locked their sippy cup in the hotel safe. We don't really even know how they did it. And just like saying it out loud makes me laugh to even think about it. At the time, I was not laughing. I was like, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. We got to go. But it's not a big deal. It's a sippy cup. It was worth $5. Yes. And honestly, hearing my husband have to call the reception desk and be like, oh, my kids locked their sippy cup in the safe. Can we get someone to open it? It was, it was hilarious. And it just like, you know... It was funny. It's lighthearted. What? Not a big deal. We're putting it into perspective. No one's hurt. No one's exactly. spiritually in trouble. And I think that just helps like, in those moments when you choose joy and you choose to see the humor in life mm-hmm. and sometimes the crazy situations you're in instead of the negative aspect of them. Right. And I, expecting these kind of silly situations yes. to have, you know. Yeah. And how funny. Like what a personality, you know, like your kids <laughs> like provide a level of entertainment for so cute like my husband when when it gets a little loud in the house him and I like it really quiet I mean I think quieter (laughs) than the average person that we're always like shh quiet you know (laughs) we're inside voices you know we always stress about that that he's come up with a game and he says you know my son's favorite animal is a cheetah. So he goes, play dead cheetah. And they all just lay on the ground and they love it. They think it's like the silliest thing. And at first I was like, oh my gosh. But now I'm like, okay, let's play the dead cheetah yeah. game. Let's have a cup of coffee, have our kids lay on the ground, you yeah. know? So you kind of just, you got to play off of yes. what's going on and in your life. And help, have a good time. it does help alleviate the suffering. <laughs> like that's like God giving you like a little laugh amidst yes. your trials. Cause it's like, you know, when like my husband and I can be really stressed at night because like, oh gosh, now we got to do the dishes and we're also tired. And like, 
you know, like our little daughter Celeste will just like come up to him and make this weird face and like <laughs> start like making weird animal noises. And it's like, it kind of cuts through the seriousness yes. and it's just, it's a lighthearted like reminder of what we do it for. Yes. And their purity and innocence just shines through. Like mm-hmm. I see that as like the light of God just kind of coming in and interrupting yes. whatever is going on. And humor is central. Like I, you know, you think of the stigma of Catholics out there, like, oh, those serious, like, crazy people and guilty yeah Yeah. i mean saint lawrence was being barbecued to death and he has the humor to say like i'm done on this side you can turn me over (laughs) like it's just like even in that like situation he found the humor in it like he's being barbecued right he wanted to bring joy to whoever was hearing to some degree and apparently thomas more said to his executioner who beheaded him like hey you're gonna have to help me up but you won't have to help me down you know just like how the, you know they're only able to say that because of the joy yes. that they have. God gives us humor as a part of our nature, and it's to be used for good, especially yes. in hard times, I would say. And joy chases away – this is from St. Seraphim of Sarov. He says, joy chases away fatigue because out of fatigue comes discouragement, mm-hmm. and there is nothing worse. Mm-hmm. Um, it could help a person's spirit to remain joyful before God. So sometimes the stuck in the rut is you are discouraged and you right. feel fatigued and that is why it's it's you need to bring that joy back of what things do you have to look at that are blessings to you that are funny to you and right. you know even situations like where you are like oh my gosh that's gonna take a lot to clean up like there's also a humorous side to it like yes. you know one time my son put on my lipstick like all over his <laughs> face but it was hilarious to me because I mean at first I was mad but it, I find it funny because you realize they watch you. He, like, actually put his blush, like, on his cheekbones like I do. Like, it was so <laughs> funny because he was like, okay, this is what mom does. Yes. Like, you know. And that brings me to, to one point that I hadn't even thought of. But really, though, when they see how we are, they will become that. They mm-hmm. emulate what we put off. So if we're always down on ourselves or, you know, feeling serious or, think, or, like, portraying that holiness is just some kind of, like, you know, serious thing that we can't enjoy, then I don't know. You want them to have to, you want to cultivate a sense of, of joy in your home for the faith. Mm -hmm. And, and also not just for the faith, but also as an example of, Hey, I'm having a hard time, but I'm going to push through because then they'll do that too. Yes. Yes. Then they'll do that too. Cause when, you know, the point of one of our biggest, uh, goals in homemaking and you know being mothers is to create kind joyful holy humans and how do we do that we need to be exactly that so and i think one way to to keep that joy is to not dwell on our sufferings too much Mm -hmm. um or really focus on negative thoughts that enter our heads like we have to willfully put those down as Mm -hmm. soon as they enter we have to say nope i'm not going to think that way so there's this um quote I have from St. Paul of the Cross, so he knows his sufferings. He said, keep the balsam jar of your sufferings tightly sealed by silence and acceptance Mm. so that it does not evaporate outside by seeking comforts. This would be harmful. The more abandoned to God by silent suffering you are, the sooner the trial sent by God will end. Wow. 
And so that's like a huge one of just, you know, I mean, it's okay to like confide in your husband and be like, today was rough, da, 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 da. Yes. I don't, you know, that's, that's healthy. You do need to communicate. But I think a lot of times we can think we're doing that and we're really just mm-hmm. ranting. Like yeah. I'm going to call my friend and tell her how mad I am about this. Right. I'm going to call my mom after I call my friend and tell her how <laughs> mad about this. And I'm going to tell the world yeah. how mad I am about this situation, how wronged I was, how much yeah. suffering I've been enduring. Yeah. And when we broadcast our woes like that, that's where we really suck the joy, not just out of ourselves, but out of other people. Like think of if all you share with your friend is just like negative things, then you're like bringing them down with you in a way. It it kind of puts a burden on you to like think before. And And I don't mean like keep your negative feelings to yourself at all times and never share them. Obviously, that's not what he said, but there's a danger of overly broadcasting them. And there's a difference between having a confidant and telling the world. Right. (laughs) Because also if you just take it on as like, oh, this is just where I am in life, then that Mm -hmm. really does spill over, like it says in that quote, into every – I mean, if you're in that headspace the whole time, like, oh, yeah, this is so hard, then that's Mm -hmm. what everyone sees and that's the vibe you give off and that's the way your home is going to be. Yeah. I would like to have it so that when I am experiencing suffering – Many people don't know it. I think mm-hmm. that should be a goal is that right. they would never know by the smile on my face right. and the right. the joy that I'm having right. that there's actually something really hard right. in trials well, going like on. Well, like in the Bible when they say um, when you're fasting, let no one know. Like mm-hmm. wash your face and still look like you're a fully yes. functioning. Everything is fine. Yeah. And don't it, look again, like a weakling that didn't eat for a day. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it's not – I don't think it's so much to show face to the world. Right. I think it's, it's more like I'm going through something personally. Yeah. Whether it be fasting or suffering or whatever it is. But I am going to – I'm not going to draw attention to I'm it. I'm not going to draw attention to it. Why? Because I don't want to dwell in that space yes. and I got to move forward. Yeah. got to keep chugging along. And that's a good point because this doesn't mean fake it. Right. Like, oh, you better put a smile on your face yes. when your mom just died and like, right. you know, like right. go out. But it does mean like try to see the joy on – like don't overly give in to those right. negative feelings so right. that that's all people see on your face right. are all the trials you've ever had. And that's why I love like – the mom body of like when they're just older moms have those wrinkles mm-hmm. and it's just like I look at that as like wow like that's like all those years of raising kids yeah. all those years of you doing this and it's like a silent suffering yeah. it's like a mark on the face it's oh, not a their demeanor they're smiling right. you know right. but they're talking these, about it but right it's there you have those stretch marks wow. from from all the suffering of carrying a baby but you're not they're hidden. You yeah. know what I mean? Like they're, they're just they're a little mark. Those mom jeans. Yeah. <laughs> you can't see them. <laughs> they're they're a little reminder to you, but they're not like, you know, out there for the world. Like those the wrinkles, they're yes. subtle, but they're they're there. And isn't that isn't that funny you bring up the stretch marks? It's like cuz when do you see them? Right. When you're in your room alone or in front of the mirror, but it's just you. Mm-hmm. You can acknowledge that there has been trial and struggle, but you're still walking. You're yep. still, you know, you you keep moving. Yep. And you have beautiful gifts as yeah. a result. Like all the blessings that come from our sufferings, from stretch marks, yeah. from kids, from suffering comes holiness. Right. Yeah. And that's what I'm going to end with is St. Philip Neri says, a cheerful soul becomes holy more quickly. So now it's time for our 
quote of the day, our product review, and our budget tip. The quote of the day, which I actually found very fitting, is from St. Francis of Assisi, and he says, spiritual joy arises from purity of the heart and perseverance in prayer. And what's funny about this quote is that, (laughs) so Mandy sends me her outline and, and, you know, what we're going to discuss in the episode. And she had mentioned prayer, perseverance, and joy. So when I found this quote that summed it all up and had it all in one sentence, I thought, gosh, yeah, this is divine. Yes. (laughs) Um, So moving on now to our product review, an interior designer, and she recommended this product and it's the Mrs. Myers Clean Day Room Freshener, and it's peony scent. Ooh, and I what peony. I do is, um, when, after I vacuum, I kind of give it a little, give it a little spray, and it's it makes my home smell very good. And and she, Mrs. Myers only uses like clean chemicals. Like yes. I don't think it has the stuff that like Febreze and it stuff. Non aerosol, made with yep. essential oils, so it checks all those crunchy nice. boxes. Um, so yeah, that's what I would recommend. I got it at Target and it probably costs around five or six dollars, no more than that. Um, and it's an eight ounce one. I bought it over six months ago and it's it's you still like a quarter of it, not even so it's it's very potent and it nice. would make you feel like your life is in order when maybe it's not. <laughs> and I add that to my household list. Um, so my budget tip is kind of more of a general one, but when there's something you really want, that's a bigger expense. For me, I've mentioned this before because it's so big in my home, the vacuum. <laughs> um, I did get it by the way. So I've got a new vacuum. I'm in love. I just vacuum for fun now. Anyway, it it's expensive. It was expensive and it was, my husband was like, gosh, what is the price of it? Because I guess I didn't realize when you go past a shark vacuum, which is like, what, $175, there's a whole new level of vacuum prices. But anyway, I recommend three things when you want to buy something. One, research, okay? You need to talk to people about what their favorite you know, vacuums are. Mm-hmm. I actually went in, I'm big on supporting local too. So even if you pay just a little bit more, mm-hmm. I love going in and asking someone who that's their bread and butter. They do it every day. Like, yes. Hey, here are my needs in a vacuum. What would you recommend? And I got to try them out. I went to a vacuum store. I got to like try them out. I had my son come with me. Cause I'm like, can you push this? Exactly. You know, like, so you could <laughs> use this vacuum. Is it kid friendly? And I'm like, is this super durable? Because I'm rough on my vacuums. And I got all those questions answered and I actually ended up getting a vacuum I didn't even know existed and wouldn't have thought I would have gotten. And so I really recommend number one research when you want to invest in something that's a really big product in your home. For me, I vacuum like every other day. It's really important I have something that that works well. And so that's like a big product to us that really matters. So number one research, the second thing I would do is budget for it. And the way I did that is I kind of had it as an incentive. As soon as we reached one financial goal, I was able to go get it. And then I found stuff in my house I didn't need. If I had this old dining room table I replaced, I sold that. And so that combined with reaching this financial goal gave me the money I needed to go buy it. So it wasn't like this big thing coming out of my bank account that you know, we felt like a big void once I bought it. Right. You so, earned it. You yeah, earned I earned it. it. And, yes. I, and I will tell you, having to wait for it has made me appreciate it so much more. <laughs> like I, I like take care of it. I like dust it off after I use oh, it. Like it make sure the cord spot. is fully wrapped. It has <laughs> a very special spot in my house. And like, I will have this thing forever. So 
I think whenever you're you're doing those big purchases, it's really helpful to make them not be stressful and not be, you know, wasting your money on something that is going to break in two years and then you're going to be upset about it. So just the research and the planning, don't rush into things. If I had bought the first vacuum my friend told me she liked, I think I'd regret it. So I'm glad it took me six months to go buy a new vacuum. And I may do in the meantime. It wasn't fun, but you can do it. So just be patient with your big purchases. Right. And when you, since you had time to budget for it, you had time to do the research. Right. It goes hand in hand. Exactly. You got this, mama. And don't forget, God walks among the pots and pans. See you next time.